Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy, druids. In cars. Going to festivals. So, we're out walking again. And as we were trying to figure out what to talk about, we started walking by the bog out here in the woods. (laughs) And I suddenly thought, can we talk about some of the liminal spaces that we've been to and what those experiences are like? And... We think we can, so we're going to give it a shot. Liminality, as the snake who just moved on through the leaves here. Oh, look at him. He's kind of cute. There he goes. Liminality is that edge between things. It's where the waves of the ocean meet the shore. It's the sea foam that foam forms there. It is the mist between worlds. It is the threshold of the door to your house. Those are all liminal spaces. They're spaces you'll often hear the words betwixt and between. Um, they are between two states. And you hear this a lot in discussions of rites of passage because you are moving from one state through a state of liminality and into another. You also hear when we talk about opening the gates between worlds and work yes. with the gatekeepers and psychopomps. Yes, the, uh, the process of moving through that space that is between is liminal space. Liminal spaces occur not only in ritual, but also in real life, as I was mentioning earlier. Um, they're often seen to be spaces of power, and spaces of mystery and magic. Uh, In fact, the entire song of uh, Scarborough Fair is pretty much a list of liminal (laughs) items and things. Uh, You know, your your bit of sand between the, what is it? I don't know, I only know the tune, I don't know the words. I'll have to think about it for a minute. Um, But, all of those things um, feature prominently in ideas of magic and myth. And the reason they do so is because they feel as if they are liminal or um, in between places. And so we want to talk a little bit about the experiences we've had in liminal space, the kind of spaces that we've experienced that are liminal, and what, the, what impacts those have on us. So for me, one of the liminal spaces that I um, has stuck in my brain fairly well 
is there's this one spot along the Olentangy River. Mm-hmm. It's up. There used to be a park there. I don't even know if the park is still there. Um, but it was behind Graceland. Yeah. And uh, there's a bunch of old trees intermixed in the undergrowth. And there's this spot where there's this one old tree that has like a little hollow. It has a fallen log. And um, the water kind of washes through the roots of this tree. And there's just that experience of liminality, of sitting on the edge of the world when you sit right where the roots are and have the water going under your feet. Um, And it's definitely a spot where there are feelings of the supernatural, of where there are beings that may come from the other world and kind of bleed into this world. That's not an uncommon feeling about liminal spaces as well. Um, the idea that the sacred can bre- bleed through into the mundane world. Um, hierophany, we might call that. The, the sudden appearance of the sacred uh, punching through to the profane. And one of the things that, or one of the places that has always struck me in that way is really any cemetery or graveyard, but particularly uh, memorials to fallen soldiers. I went to Thermopylae once. Um, I didn't make it to the Plain of Marathon. I wish I had. I may get back there. You and I may go back there at some point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But the reason that particularly graveyards and particularly memorials are is because um, in a lot of ways, the the dead remain remembered here among the living and when it comes to to soldiers or people who've died uh, in battle or things like that um, those are also people who died at liminal points in their lives like they they've died young and their work is unfinished and so there's a lot of additional liminality layered on top of that sort of thing. Uh, I think a lot of that is why people enjoy picnics in graveyards as Mm -hmm. well, is because it kind of connects them in that liminal space to people who've gone before. It brings up memory, uh, which as we know is a very important way of honoring the dead, is remembering them. I think that's also why psychopomps are specifically associated with the dead in that way, is because it is such a liminal point in those lives and afterlives that they need a being to come and shepherd or be a guide at that point. It's very true. And even the symbology of death is very much about liminal spaces. It's the crossing of waters. You move from this side of the the river of forgetfulness to the other side of the river of forgetfulness. Um, You meet at certain points beings like, I don't know, three-headed dogs named Spot, (laughs) who challenge you and either allow you to pass or don't. Um, So you have to overcome those kinds of uh, experiences as well. And I think that when we talk about death and liminality, there's a whole lot. There's a whole show on that we could do. <laughs> um, 
the other kinds of places that I've been, I mean, I, I mentioned that we start out by walking past this bog um, that we happen to have here. And the watery forest is one that brings up the, those interesting images as well. Um, it's neither land nor is it water. And it gets that really it. cool mist it that does. rises off of it. It sure does. <laughs> you get the temperatures just right and all of a sudden you've got fog. And everyone loves a good foggy day, right? <laughs> Except from pilots, I suppose. <laughs> We've talked about fogs and mist before. You mentioned it in our episode on cryptids. Mm-hmm. With the Loveland frog, mm-hmm. yep, <laughs> and uh, and how the the liminal uh, experience sort of lended itself to the idea of the cryptid there. Yeah, well, and we experience it in our fire and ice moon, or at least I experience it in our fire and ice moon <laughs> when I see the supernatural fog pour out of the cauldron when we mix the fire with the ice. <laughs> We do, and the interesting thing is there, even on a really hot day, we can get frost on the outside of that culture. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. There's a lot of neat things that happen on the mechanics of that, right? Um, one of the really obvious places that is worth mentioning is, of course, the seashore. Mm-hmm. I've definitely had experiences there. No surprise to anyone who knows me. <laughs> no surprise at all, yes. Um, I have as well. And in fact, I've, I've been on two particular seashores that really kind of stood out to me as um, liminal. One of them was on the coast of Massachusetts. Um, I was out there with a friend of mine and uh, we were standing and watching the waves and taking pictures and all that kind of stuff. And it was just, it was really nice to be there with her, um, experiencing kind of her connection to Monon McLear, my connection to uh, the, the space between, and our connection to each other as a result of all of that work. Um, it was really, really very neat. The other one, of course, was the Temple of Poseidon, at Sunio. I'm so jealous. <laughs> You'll get there. Um, where I went down to the edge of the waters, and it's it's kind of cliff-like. Um, and so you, 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 you're standing at the, the foot of the temple, and you've got to kind of wind your way down there. And when I got down there, one of the things I did was a two-powers meditation, because I'm really curious. And it was a fascinating experience that I don't think I could explain. <laughs> so... I um, have also had that experience with the Mediterranean Sea when I went in high school. It was right when my relationship with Poseidon was starting. And it was with a bunch of the other high school kids on this trip, right? And we showed up at the seashore having just done something that was really hot and we were all tired. And we were wearing just regular clothes. and wandered out into the water. Mm -hmm. And so I'm standing like waist deep in the water and just feeling the waves and the mist and the sea spray just hit you. I still have the experience when I'm doing trance work where in my trance body, I will go down to the seashore and like my trance trigger is when the sea spray hits me in the face. 
And that's like that moment where things turn and I start experiencing whatever I've gotten there to do. Yeah. The other place that I've experienced that weird liminal state where something that's totally mundane can appear to be entirely sacred um, is on tops of hills or mountains or, or things like that. Or trees. Or tops trees, of trees. Tops of trees. Um, <laughs> the, the one that's coming to mind, now that you've mentioned, you know, going in high school to, to Greece, I was on the, the old Acropolis at Acrocorinth, and the thing that we wanted to see there, because the, the old Acropolis is, you know, they've got a church, it's a fort, all kind of cool stuff. We were there on Orthodox Easter Sunday, so <laughs> it was closing really soon. The only thing I wanted to see was I wanted to get up to the top and I wanted to see the Temple of Aphrodite that's up there. And um, so I'm, I'm running my way up there and I'm trying to get all the way up to the top before they close and the angry old man down at the bottom starts shouting at me. <laughs> and as I'm about halfway up, I have to stop because coming down the, the top of the hill are a bunch of college-aged women kind of processing their way down. <laughs> and I'm, I'm standing here watching them come from where the, the temple, temple of Aphrodite is. is. And I'm just like, how did this happen? What, what, what is going on here? And, and my brain is thinking, this is a sacred experience. You know, it's, it's firing all the sacred cylinders. And I'm standing here panting because I've just been running. Um, and I'm looking at, you know, people in jeans and, and t-shirts and my brain's going sacred and the rest of my body's like, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> um, and so I'm experiencing that, that liminal state both internally and externally at the same time, which was weird. It's really weird, but cool. Yeah. There are, of course, the nematons and the sacred spaces that we build mm -hmm. as well. Um, I've had fascinating experiences at the Brushwood Nematon, for example. Um, I'm still working on, on building those experiences in the Tradara Nematon. It's not been there long enough for me. Um, but Summerland, I've surely had deep experiences in that Nematon, and it's not even purpose-built. Um, I remember one of the, it was one of the first festivals I'd ever been to. And I opened my eyes during the attunement of the ritual and I look kind of at that, you know, you know the big, huge fire circle. Yeah, yeah, it's big and broad, and out in the middle is, is standing the the senior of six night, and he's he's saying, you know, feel the earth breathe, and all of a sudden something in my eyes goes wonky. Speaking scientifically, speaking <laughs> mystically, what happens is I see the entire earth kind of rise and fall in a wave that runs all the way across the, uh, the nematon. Weirdest and one of the most significant spiritual experiences I've ever had. Um, but it was just one of those things that I was like, huh, that's the thing that happened. There was an attunement that I did at the Avestan summer solstice which was, um, it was the idea of, it was so hot out and to envision the waters falling and then heating up off the earth. And as the sunlight would catch them, it would reflect the rainbow. 
And um, that was one of those experiences where I saw it as it was happening. Yeah. And um, and that was just at our our Grove Nematon. Yeah. Which I mean, we maintain to some extent, but it's not even really ours. Yeah. So yeah, you can find you can find these liminal spaces in lots of different places, and the experiences can be remarkable, whether they are intentionally laid or completely by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they have a lot of opportunity for all of us. The other thing is with raising my kids. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but. Um, I tell my kids not to step on the threshold of the house mm-hmm. because the threshold is where the spirits live. That's the, the parlance I've, I've given them, the way of speaking about it that I've given them. And so they don't stand on the threshold. They don't step on the threshold if they can avoid it. Um, and that's helped to some extent as well, not as much as I would like, with the slamming of doors and things like that. <laughs> Um, maybe I need to more actively tie that together, <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, the, the physical thresholds in our home, um, whether it's the, the door in the entryway or whether it's the hearth, mm-hmm. um, are also important. Probably the strangest thing that we do, liminality wise, might be Anagantios actually. Yeah. Because there, not only are we consistently crossing thresholds. And blessing thresholds. And blessing thresholds um, (laughs) of of other people. So we're being welcomed across those thresholds all day. Because that's our stay-at-home month, which was the first episode of this season. Yeah. Um, And um, so everyone stays home, and we go out, and we visit, and... Uh, and, and we cross the thre- those thresholds all day, and then we turn around and we bless them, as you mentioned, and then we cross right back out of them. Um, I, but more than that, we also spend the whole day, particularly now, you and I together, kind of in that space. Yeah, the whole day is spent in that liminal space, at least mindset-wise, mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of weird and kind of neat. And I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. It's a similar feeling when you're traveling to and from festival, where you're between, like, mundane world and what is going to be a sacred world. It is, which is, of course, the whole premise of this podcast. Yes. Um, the, the idea that as you move between those states, you are open to many, many deep notions. Mm-hmm. And you can't put your finger on them before or after. But while you're in the process, there they all are. Yeah. That's kind of beautiful. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org. If you'd like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski, and the music is written and recorded by Mike Beershank. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org, and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes, and let us pray with a good fire.